to have me see a bigger picture other than just being a dad. He started to give me, you know, big dreams, big aspirations. But I had conceded to the fact that I was going to be the, the stay-at-home dad. Like, I didn't have... I saw no way out of that position. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. I'm sitting here with Ross Dykstra. Now, Ross, you are a handsome man. How, how, how tall are you, Ross? <laughs> uh, I think I come in at 6'5". Six 6'5"? Five. Six five? How much do you weigh in these days? Maybe I oscillate between like 215, 220. You have one of the finest physiques <laughs> of any man I know. Wonderful proportions. <laughs> t- t- give me some give me some stats. What do you what are you deadlifting these days? I mean, I'm not that strong. Maybe 300. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, now, not super impressive. What what I need to describe about Ross to give people a concept of what this man is like. I think the last time I saw you in your driveway, this is this this is a great image of what I what I conceive of the Dykstras, okay? It, it's a summer day. This is probably August, September. You are, you have a weight bench out in your driveway. You and your pregnant wife, I believe, are playing some kind of, I don't know, R&B rap music, and you guys are working out in your driveway. I think I was playing a Stephen Manuel joint. Oh, wait, that's okay. That's possible. That's possible it was, but that's not your normal jam. And you're out there shirtless, gold chain, <laughs> basketball shorts. It's, a, it's wonderful. Now, just by way of introduction, um, one thing that we're excited about is... Um, dads who run businesses you run a business would you tell us about your business and specifically how it started and why it started i am owner of five daughters construction or my wife and i are Um, but when i first started my career i was i started in insurance and um, we started you know my wife was super successful. Like per, every six months was promotion after promotion after promotion. And in insurance. Actually, my wife was doing graphic design, e-commerce work, um, and it was kind of right at the boom of all that stuff. And she is so smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, smarter than I am. <laughs> and so she got promotion after promotion and was probably exceeding my income times three. Okay. And so we started looking at having kids and, and how that all fit into our life. And we decided, you know, to start our family and didn't really know what we were doing. It was just like the next step in the American dream. Mm-hmm. So I decided or we decided, I should say, not I, but we decided that I would stay home with our kids 
mm. full time. And so I, I just couldn't figure it out career-wise. I had no resume, couldn't um, just find a job that fit me or paid enough to have a family on. And so... This um, is such, this is such a, I think, a common story, which is good dude marries bright woman who, you know, leadership qualities oozing from her pores. She's a go-getter and she's smart and fun. And the wife, because of her know-how, outstrips the man because of, it could be drive, it could be her marketability as far as her job skills, et cetera. And he feels, so you, you were feeling like, I guess the default is that you'll just go be the man out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it wasn't like that wasn't something that was running through my mind. It was just, hey, look, I've I've failed. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you can come back from this. Right. Like, I don't know if there's a way out. I don't know if there's a way for me to be the provider. And so through prayer, I mean, it's what the Lord led us into. Um for a season of time and I stayed home with our first child Maven for a year and then we had twins exactly 366 days later now that's amazing can, can, can I just go to that one year yeah and just ask what was that feeling like for you um I, I think that like looking back hindsight, the Lord used it to capture my heart as a father and he wooed my heart into being a father because I fell in love with being a dad. Yeah. But it was emasculating. I mean it was it was isolating because um I didn't I didn't know who I was, you know, but the Lord was slowly giving me one piece of my identity, you know, and letting me fall in love with it. Yeah. So looking back on it, I w I'm very grateful for the time. Do you think that you were not in touch with that, with the ambition to be a father? No, I wanted to be a dad. I, get, I just didn't know... You, until you have a child, you don't know how much love you'll have for the child. Or um, I think the Lord used that time in my life to, to set vision and to have me see a bigger picture other than just being a dad. Mm -hmm. um, he started to give me, you know, big dreams, big aspirations. And... Um, you know, but I had conceded to the fact that I was going to be the, the stay-at-home dad. Like, I didn't have, I saw no way out of that position. Yeah. I, I, I just, this is such a fascinating story. And I, again, I think it's so applicable. I just want to say, say this to guys. So if you think that the kind of um, beta male who's got a receding hairline and a spare tire. And I don't know what you, I don't know what you conjure in your mind when you think of a stay at home dad. 
Um, I just, I wish that I could give you a picture of Ross and I'm not kidding when I say this guy has like an Adonis physique. He's got a winning smile. He's like, he lights up a room when he would walk in the room, you would think to yourself, Oh gosh, I, I better give this guy a good handshake. I don't know how this is going to, he's a very warm as you're, as you can hear. I mean, he's, he's a really friendly, loving guy, but he exudes kind of, um, I don't know, picture book manliness. This You could put a, a hat on him. He could play the Prince Charming that's going to come wake up Snow White. And I, I just think his story is is instructive because there's, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, what's happening on the inside, if you haven't captured God's heart for being the leader of your home, we can go in all, we can go off into any kind of weird road. So that's why I'm really interested in what that year was like for you, because anybody that met you right now would never know that's part of your story because you seem like the total breadwinner, the man in your home, you know? So, so tell us a little, so, so start now with this transition. So we went through, so we had our twins and our twins were, um, diagnosed with TTTS, which is simply put like one twin has too much amniotic fluid. So they're basically drowning in amniotic fluid too much, too much for them to survive. And one has too little. And the, we, we got a diagnosis that was like one twin will probably live. Um, the other will uh, probably die, you know, if we don't intervene. And we were at this point where we had just gone to Mexico for a mission trip, Mac and I, with back to back. And so we had missed our 20 week appointment or something like that. So we, it, it kind of had progressed within that time. And so when we got back, we didn't have like a ton of options. And we had like one week to decide what we were going to do. And, um, there's a lot of crazy stories through that whole process, but ultimately, um, we just started crying out to God to to heal our our children, and we just thought, you know, if I I think Mac and I both came to a place where it's like, if our if our kids die, they're ultimately the Lord's anyways. He's in charge. He gets to say. He gets to have the, he's the final authority. And we just started petitioning the Lord as in like, you know, you get to decide either way, we're still serving you and we're still going to trust you. And within, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks, it wasn't all of a sudden, it was week by week, their fluid levels started to even out. And we thought the best case scenario was they would be born at like 30 weeks. Well, Mac made it like 37 weeks. And they wow. were both born, didn't have to stay in the NICU, perfectly healthy. They're wow. seven years old right now and um, just a huge blessing. But that was a major step in our faith journey as a couple because we both said, hey, you know, we're going to trust the Lord and we're going to do what he says to do. What, what it, and, and when you say we started crying out to the Lord, what, what did that look like? What did you do? Um, 
basically we just started saying like we petitioned for their health you know we petitioned for them to be born healthy but really we said we don't know what to do we don't know whether to do medical intervention Mm -hmm. we don't we these doctors are practicing medicine you're the great physician so if you need to tell us what you want us to do and i remember um one time we were in the, the doctor's office and they said, hey, look, we have to do this procedure Monday. After Monday, it's our last chance to do this. And he said, I'll, I'll get out of the room and give you um, a couple seconds to decide what you want to do. Oh, gosh. And I looked at Mac and I was like, well, I guess we do it, you know, it, unless the Lord says otherwise. And so we prayed, you know, just like, what do we do, Lord? The doctor comes back in and he says, hey, look, I can tell you're uncomfortable with this. Um, Why don't we just wait a week? So he completely said the exact opposite of what he had said five minutes earlier. Right. And so we're like, yeah, we'd rather wait. And so the next week we come in and their levels have changed a little bit, which they said, which was impossible. Hmm. They said, once we diagnose it TTTS and you have an extreme case, it's it impossible change. for it. It won't change. And so he said, well, it looks like, you know, this is weird. Let's give it another week. And we're like, well, we thought you can't do anything unless, you know, you can't do this procedure unless we do it like within a week. And he's like, well, let's just decide next week. So next week we come in and they're a little bit, you know, their fluid levels are a little bit closer together again. And ultimately, by 30 weeks, I think they're at like 5.5 and 5.6, and they were at like 12.9 and 0.2. Wow! So it unbelievable! Was a it was a it was a hundred percent God intervened and um, healed our twins. Wow! So at, at that time, you're still stay-at-home dad. Yep, still stay-at-home dad. And then did you take, you took the twins. So you now you've got three girls. Three girls. Okay. And how long did that continue? Um, that continued for six months. So for, I was this full-time stay-at-home dad for six months. So Mac went back to work after, you know, two months of maternity leave or three months, whatever it was. Um, so we decided... Um, based on, we had gone through story form life. And so I don't remember what week it's in, but you go through the curses mm-hmm. um, that the Lord gives Adam and Eve. And story form life is a study yeah. that some friends of ours in Cincinnati made. If, you, if you're interested in it, it's a great review of just getting you into a biblical worldview. You can find it at pathsofreturn.com. A lot of people know of Jeremy Pryor that listened to this podcast. Um, he helped to, to create um, the Story Formed Life is the name of the study. It's a great small group study. It's at pathsofreturn.com. Okay, go ahead. So um, in one of the weeks, we, you talk about the, the curses that God gave Adam and Eve for their disobedience in the garden. And this is in Genesis three sixteen. He says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children you shall decide your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you and then to adam he said because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which i have commanded you saying you shall not eat of it 
Curses the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For dust you are. And to dust you shall return. So Justin Wolfenberger is the one that led our um, SFL. And... He's, that guy's a problem, wouldn't yeah. you say? That guy, that guy's a mess. <laughs> He's he he has written for us before at Abraham's Wallet, and uh, we we love Justin. Yeah, he was uh, through him, you know, kind of unpacking this for us, and through the Lord speaking to us. I got this big sense that, like, okay, so it seems like God's discipleship methods for a woman is in bearing children and raising children. Mm. And um, having her husband rule the family, right? Mm. Like those are tension points that God has placed in a woman's life. And if you're not operating under those and you're not easing into your curse, like you're not actually engaging in the tension of those curses, um, it's it's hard to grow with the Lord. It's not that you can't serve the Lord. It's yeah. not that you can't be a follower of Christ. But if you want to ease into God's discipleship patterns, you have to be under these these things. That's a great way of saying it. So, I mean, I knew you when you were a stay-at-home dad, and you love the Lord, and you were pursuing Him, and you weren't an unbeliever because you were stay-at-home dad, but I think what you're saying is a great way of saying it, which is he has a discipleship path. We can always opt out of those things. We can always go like, I, 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 that's, you've come close enough, God. I, I wanna, you want you to walk away. Um, we don't know how, uh, how long that can remain if we buffet him. We don't know how long he, he, we can remain in that tension, but you're saying that we were feeling as a couple, I want Mackenzie to um, enter into what God has for her, and I want to be shaped and squeezed by what God has for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was all in my mind at this point. Like, I theorized that, you know, this is the way God wants to teach me. I have, if I'm not engaging with toil I'm missing some aspect that God wants to pull out in me and um, you know one thing that you that you talk a lot about in story from life too is that you we we think as Americans that thinking something's believing it mm. but we don't really believe it until we engage you know physically actively doing something like yeah. that shows belief right and so we decided that Mac would come home, and I had no job. I had no job, and we, no prospects. No prospects. <laughs> and so she quit the first of the year. I think it was 2013 or something like that. What do you do? I don't remember all the specifics <laughs> of what happened, but I do remember that at a certain point we got down to like $1,500 to our name. Wow. And um, this whole thing too, I'll caveat with that like between us and the Lord, I said, look, 
I'm going to put it all, I'm going to put all my chips into your basket, God, that, that you, you hold all the chips and I want to see if you'll let me down. Hmm. I want to see if you'll make me a fool. Wow. And, um, (laughs) because I don't believe that you will, Hmm. but I honestly, in my own heart, I, every day I would say, I don't know, Hmm. you know, like, I don't know if I'm following you or if. This is something that I want. Yep. And so I know that I can make myself a fool. I'm well aware of that, but I'm going to try as best as I can to push all my chips onto you and I'm going to see what you do. Wow. What did you do? Well, I mean, we stumbled and bumbled through like four or five years, you know, of doing one thing or another and then I started working for a builder such as what give us some examples we flipped houses um, we I worked like just labor jobs for maybe a year um, we did and then I ultimately ended up at a builder we're working for another builder and in your mind, this is just stumbling to the next opportunity. Yeah, I never made more than $30,000 in a calendar year until I was like 32. And so from 26, when we had my when I, we had my first kid to this point, we're bare bones in it. Yeah. Um, but I never remember, like, some. I should have written most of this down, but I don't remember being in need. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember, we never missed a meal. Yeah. He, he provided provided for us every step of the way. And that's worth saying you were willing to work. Yeah. So tell us tell us an ugly labor job where you're freaking hoofing it and your back hurts at the end of the day. I so the the jobs that I started to work I got to a place where it didn't really matter to me what I was doing because I was engaged in how I felt like the Lord was discipling me. And so I didn't like all the jobs I was doing. Mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, like I thought that I was better than those jobs Mm -hmm. um, or I had more to offer. And I felt like the Lord one day told me when I was, I had to shovel a a pile of sand from one location, put it in a wheelbarrow and bring it to another location. (laughs) Just so it'd be out of the way or something. Yeah. And I I really felt like the Lord said, like, hey, you're you're engaging in in what you said you believed in. That's awesome. And at after that point, you know, it was like maybe a month or two into the whole process. After that point I just said, I don't care what I do. Mm-hmm. Um he's teaching me through toil. I'm wow. toiling. You know, I I I have the opportunity now to toil. And that's part of what that's part of what Genesis said, right? Right. You're going to be doing it by toil, and you're like, I'm toiling. Yeah, and and I kept. I mean, when I say this stuff in my mind, I'm thinking, Am I ever going to make enough money to really support us? You know, like sure. or the ship's going down, right? Like that's in my mind. I'm a worst case scenario, th- you know, person. I'm thinking the ship's going down. People are going to say, see, we told you so, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mac goes back to work. That's, that's like in the back of my mind always. I'm like, you know, you're going to fail. Um, you're not going to do it. But, but I was somewhat grateful. I mean, to just be finally being able to toil and like 
make be the provider. Okay. Awesome. I love the heart that we're seeing here where which is obedience that comes with a cost. We're seeing um faith. Now, the faith is an interesting word because um in some senses faith would be just I just taught a um, culture class uh, at the university downtown last night, and our faith is based on some unchanging things. So the gospel is unchanging. So God's moral law is unchanging. The creation order is unchanging. And so we can say that our faith is basically signing our name at the bottom of a document that's been written ages past, which is here's all the things that God says about the world and you just got to agree with them. And that's our faith. Okay, that's true. But there's also an element of faith. And this is like the Hebrews 11 kind of faith, which is you're taking a risk based on what you what you understand that God might be saying to you. And the word risk is so important there because if you know for sure what the outcome is and you know for sure that this is the voice of God, however, I mean, what a phrase that is, the voice of God that you think you're hearing in your heart. If it's not a risk, it's not faith. And so I just want to, I mean, your your story is um, impactful for guys in all sorts of ways, but I just know that guys are probably listening to this. They're at the teeth of some decision they want leadership. They want God to tell them where to go. And how do we figure out what God's telling us? And what I'm seeing from something as simple as the way you guys prayed in the doctor's office that day to what what job am I doing? First of all, your response to shoveling sand into a wheelbarrow was your literal, the thought that went through your brain as you're shoveling sand making, I don't know, a hundred bucks a day maybe. Do you know what you were making a day? It's probably, yeah, it's probably less than that. Okay. You're shoveling sand, and what's going through your mind is, I'm engaging in what God told me that I have to do based on Genesis and, and what he said to Adam and Eve. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay, that's faith, is that you're contextualizing your experience according to God's word. And secondly, I love the way you put it, which is I'm putting all my chips in the table and see whether it comes through for me or not. Nobody knows for sure. When I tell you that I'm trying to walk in what God's telling me to do, including recording this thing, I'm I'm crossing my fingers going, I think this is God. I mean, and, and do we get to say, well, it, it all worked out in the end, so it definitely was God. No, you don't get to say that. It might be human talent or luck that produced success. So we, we even that, we don't get to say, well, it, I know for sure that it was definitely. No, we're in, we're in a faith walk. So we have to go, I think this is God. I'm going to take steps as if it is God, and then I'm going to let him deal with me if he can correct me. Obviously, he can change circumstances so that he can put a roadblock in front of me. And go, no, you're not going that way. I always think of Isaiah 30, 15. It says, when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And and uh, my, my old good friend and teacher, uh, Michael O'Shields, always said, it's much easier to steer a moving car. You can't steer a car that's not moving. 
that verse says, when you, when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And so we have to actually go, okay, I think this is how God is leading me. I'm going to start putting steps into place as if he is. And then I'm waiting for confirmation or I'm waiting for a roadblock or something, but I'm moving in faith. So that's what you're doing and you're working for a builder, right? Then what happens? But it was my first introduction to the, like the building industry. Like we had been flipping homes, so I knew construction, but I didn't really know the building industry in the sense that like I hadn't been immersed in it. And there's just, it's a hard, it's a hard business. Um, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of um, scheduling. There's a lot of confusion. It's a lot of like weathering the storm and um, staying the course and, and just kind of plugging along um, because it can get really stressful. And there's a lot of mistakes made and not mistakes by like anytime there's this many humans involved in one project, there's... <laughs> There's a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so I so my job was fixing the mistakes. A lot of times they're finding ways to f- solve the problems and fix mistakes. And I just said to Mac one day, I said, look, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure on my own I can screw up this much. And I have enough confidence now to where we I can fix the mistakes. And um, I think we should give a go at... Um, you know, starting our own our own business, and I'll caveat I'll caveat that was saying that when I was a stay at home dad, I was surrounded by all these men who were starting their own businesses, mm-hmm. and I just felt like I'll never I'm not this smart, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm I don't have this creative tech product, mm-hmm. I don't have this um, great business idea. I honestly have no idea even how to start my own LLC. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I learned is that you don't have to be super smart. I'm not a super smart guy. I mm-hmm. don't. I don't view myself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Lord has set something in you, He will bump you into things to you know, like a father mm-hmm. teaching his kid how to do something that He's put inside of his heart, and so. I have a big vision and, and I'd say maybe 10% of it has come to pass. You know, like I don't really know how to get my kids into my business. You know, that's kind of confusing to me right now. But I know that, again, if I just interact with that process of having them involved in some way, shape or form, that the Lord will mm-hmm. bump me the same way he's done this whole time, mm-hmm. you know, into to fulfilling that vision. And it doesn't always look the way that I think it's going to look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm working for the builder and we just decided again, we're just going to throw all our chips on the Lord. And if it works out, great. You know, like my, the Lord is always over and over, like he's just over exceeded my expectations for my own self. Mm-hmm. And so we thought if we could do one or two houses a year, that would put us around what we're making now. Mm -hmm. And we know we can live on that, right? So we built our house, which I didn't know if we'd be able to live in, but I was building it for myself. Okay. So I thought at the end we might have to sell it because it might not 
this my, this dream might die. Yep. So, so the first house that you built was your own. Mine and Michael's. Okay. All right. So, and again, my, I didn't know Michael was going to move there either. This okay. all just kind of fell into place. So we were building this house and through the process, like I just wanted to build something that was unique and different. And so we built something that's some either love it or hate it, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's no middle ground and enough people thought it was different and was unique and had some style to it that um, wanted to build it. And so we started building, I don't know, I think the Lord gave us seven people in the first six months. Wow. And he, I remember meeting with the second person that I ever built for, and or I never built for this person, but the second person that I ever met with to build a house I was nervous all the time, you know. I'm going to be found out as the phony that I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Are people going to pick up on it? And so the second person I ever met with, she was telling me we were talking, talking through what they wanted and stuff. And I felt like the Lord just as clear as could be. He said, I will bring the people, you know, you just be obedient. And if there was one thing that that I've seen through this whole process is like, I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm not doing it perfect, but I am trying to, you know, to allow him to do what he wants in, in our life. And, and Mac is doing, she is doing the same thing. Being at home with the kids is hard for her. Mm. She is... Like she is smarter than I am and she is more capable. She is, uh, I mean, she's raising six kids and homeschooling them right now. She is a multitasker to the nth degree. And, um, you know, someday the Lord's going to bear much fruit in her life too. But right now she's walking through a desert season. Yeah. That's a great point, which is, I think that one of the false um, hopes that we have is that the is that the feeling of ultimate unbridled satisfaction and fulfillment is what happens if if God meets man. And what you're saying is that even for you both, from the outside looking in, to me, you guys look like radical successes. So, your business is a success. Your home life is a success. I think you have thick community with the Beausejours next door. I'm just saying from the outside, it looks like oh, they win. Your life now, if you could rewind 10 years, your life would be somebody you would have looked at and gone like, well, like, I'm not going to be able to have that. Big time. I mean, I honestly, every day, I, I can't. I, I can't believe where we we're at, um, but it's it's much harder than you would ever. Imagine. Right. It is much harder. I mean, we said we'd let the Lord have control of how many kids we'd have, and in the beginning it was exciting, and the same thing with the business. In the beginning, it's exciting. It's like you don't know what's going to happen, and um, you got a lot of adrenaline going. Yeah. And then it comes time for the minutia, the the walking out of obedience. And it's like I'm I'm kind of sick of this. Yeah. Like I don't want to keep 
you know, saying the same things, doing the same thing, disciplining the same way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like building a foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put, when you dig the hole and you build the foundation, no one knows what's going to come out of the ground. And it's boring. It's gray. It's, it takes a long time. And so it's the most expensive part of the house. And, but it's the most important. Mm-hmm. It's the structure that everything's built on. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like what, starting a business is, you know, starting your foundation and like raising a young family, like this stuff, it sucks Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Um, and my wife's doing a lot of stuff that people, you don't see the fruit, you know, for years down the road. That's right. So yes, again, my point is it looks great from the outside. You're saying on the inside, um, it's hard. And so your wife having left career world, she just gave birth to number six, which is a boy, a boy, your a boy. first boy. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and man, she she lays down her life for the Lord and for these kids every single day. And so she is I mean, I know she's got a newborn, so she's giving her body away. Yeah. She, she gives her time and her mental energy away to these little kids that she's. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that one of her ambitions uh, out of college wasn't to be teaching uh, first, second grade. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, are, you have increased responsibility. We were talking before we started recording about some of your headaches of you're running a business. There are people who depend on you. The timelines, the timelines are getting weird in your industry. The margins are narrowing. And... If you were back there um, shoveling sand, you wouldn't have any care for what the industry was doing as long as I get my 80 bucks at the end of the day. But now you're the man and you're running. And so there's all sorts of responsibility. How do you how do you see all that stuff? I I mean, the way that I look at it, Stephen, first of all, I want I want my wife to be honored in this, too, because without her she gave me the freedom you know like when i married her i knew that whenever wherever we went her number one goal was to serve the lord and that no matter what the cost was that she would do it and she is doing it she's a star she's struggling i mean she's struggling sometimes daily sometimes weekly you know it's just a struggle Mm -hmm. and anyone that tells you differently is lying yeah um and she's working through it but i i know from what I know of the Lord and from what I've seen in my life that he's going to honor her sacrifice yeah, someday, you know, in a way that's special to her. Yeah. And I can't tell you what it is, but I believe that for her, even though she's having a tough time believing it for herself. Right. Well, you're both, you're both doing something that we... Is it's smart for your finances, it's smart for your relationships, it's smart for your walk with God, period, which is that you're both, you continue to plant seeds that you expect by faith are going to bear fruit 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, and I, I, I just... I, there's been, as, as this whole thing, as our life has played out there's been decisions that i made where 
I'll still give God the credit for telling me to do it, but the things have not been good. Uh huh. You know, like, I don't know. I can't figure it out, but there's decisions that we've made through this whole thing. Like we got sucked into like wanting, like we forced community and yeah. the forcing of community, you know, it's like, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. And it just threw our life into chaos. Uh huh. And we've had to sit, you know, like, well, we thought it was the Lord. Well, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was. And we're, you know, like, yeah. So we've had stuff like that too, where I, I never really feel like I miss the Lord. I feel like he's always speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And if something doesn't work out the way that I wanted or, or it was tough, it's just a training lesson. That's how I choose to view it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whether that's accurate or not, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'll just respond to that because I think that's what a, a lot of people wonder that. And I'll just say, I think well, we're only going to know that, you know, the, we'll get to we'll see the answer key on the other side. But I know that what the Lord wants to see is he wants to see faithfulness and he wants to see faith. So I always just encourage people who are strapped that they're in the teeth of a decision. I want to honor God. I'm just not, I'm not sure what one he's saying. Um, if we act in faith, we're so interested. We, we're so concerned about getting it right all the time. Was, now, was that the right thing? Is that what God wanted me to do? Yeah. What he wants to see is faith. And, and I'm sure that some, if we we're going to, when we see the real story, there are going to be some things that we walked into that the Lord goes, I didn't walk you into that, but you know what? I still loved your heart when you're walking into that. I think that's going to be true of some successes and some failures where he goes like, I didn't walk you into that, but you know, I'm with you. I'm with you always. So, you know, you, 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 you made that up in your head, but it's all right. You know, I, I loved your heart in that. And there are going to be some things that he walked us into that are yes, successes and that he walked us into failures too, because he wanted to conform us into the image of his son, which does not come without pain. Uh, I, I agree hundred percent. And it's all just, um, uh... It's all just a journey. Yeah. So you've got, you now have six kids. Your oldest is? My oldest is eight. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, well, getting three in a year, that'll that'll do it. That'll, <laughs> that'll get you ahead of schedule. In five and four years. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, you, you guys have, uh, we just did an episode with Sammy on sleep training. So, like, uh, you guys know what it's like to uh, pay the price for having small kids. And your company now is five daughters. Five daughters construction. And what, what do you do if the Lord gives you another daughter? Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I thought that the last one, the last child that we had, I thought it was going to be a daughter. Uh-huh. But I really felt like the Lord gave us the name. And so I was just like, well, we'll just see what it is. And, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know. You know, it's like every the the my most favorite thing about owning a business and my most least my least favorite thing about owning a business is um, there's no one to hide behind. Yeah, that's right. It's me and the Lord. And uh, so many times throughout the day, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like. What do I do, Lord? Or protect me because I'm naked and alone over here yeah. on an island. And it's, you know, it's like, what do I do? Yeah. And I've just, I didn't see that when I thought about starting a business because I had been so used to either hiding behind my parents, you know, or sure. my employer. Sure. It was never just me. Yep. And so 
it was a really interesting feeling having my own business and like that that's probably the the most beneficial thing to me or the most intimate thing to me with the Lord in this whole process of having your own business is like it's me and him mm -hmm. and and or it's Mac and I and him you know like it's it just created an intimacy with my relationship with him that I didn't have before yeah and I didn't see that as a uh, something coming out of this whole process that's awesome yeah I think that's one of the definitions that's got to be baked into our understanding of the definition of father, which is that you are, there's nobody else. You're in your, in your home, you're the top of the org chart. And so that doesn't mean that you don't have a wonderful codependency and a healthy reliance on your wife and you receive her input, et cetera. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> just like you're the owner of your business, you're the owner of the culture of your home. So, which, uh, gotta get ahead of myself. Which, when you when you feel alone because you're at the top of the uh, org chart, I think that's one reason that it's so important for us to link arm in arm with other men who are leaders who are trying to follow the Lord and those peers it's 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 so interesting because those peers we it's not like you're going to give somebody a uh, um, uh, majority equity in your company or something but we want to hear from other guys who they're doing they're doing what we're doing and so we want to be networked with them and go well how, how, what's it like with you well i understand that decision you're making i'm trying to make that same decision i think that's what i think that's what the church is 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 a collection of families who all understand what you're talking about from the um, god's family order that's in genesis and first corinthians 11 and we're all walking arm in arm. And I have all of the mercy and compassion for Mackenzie in the world. If she wanted to be a ball busting, I'm going to be a driven woman. And damn it, I'm going to run things. She might could make that happen because she's not a nobody. She's strong. But you are submitting to this role that God has for you, which... You didn't roll out of bed going like, oh, yeah, I, I, I was born to run a company. I'll do great. You had, he's still growing you into that thing. Mackenzie's still growing into what he's got for her. It's difficult stuff. And, and our walking alongside other families who are doing that, it's huge to me. So let me, let me ask, what, what do you recognize has changed in your heart toward your family because you're um, a business leader like the sense of i uh, responsibility for instance i mean right now i had to learn the business so for like the last three years i've been learning the business because it's just been it's been a kind of in the same we've grown so much so quickly too that um it's been kind of similar. Like I felt like the Lord was like, your your business is going to grow at the rate that your family did. Wow. And so, and it, it has that has been the case. And so, it's been a little bit chaotic. 
I have not been as present probably in the first two years of a father as I'd like to be. But I also have been, you know, in my mind, this is a season of time. This isn't a way of life. Seasons of imbalance. We just did that episode. That's right. Yeah. And it's, and the toughest part is convincing my wife that it's a season of time. Yeah. And and another tough part is like, don't let this, don't let yourself fade into this being the norm. Yes. And so I'm feeling a season shift and it's not easy to, to get out of, um, to get out of the routine that you set for yourself. Cause I'm a very routine person, but the, I, the goal for me or the vision for me to have a family business is so that we can all interact with each other on a daily basis Yeah, you know, that we can be involved. This is something that can produce fruit for your family and for your sister's family and your, you know, like for us all, um, whether God calls them into something else or not, I'm not sure. Yeah. But this is something that can bear fruit for a generation and then maybe the next generation. And if we steward this well, the following generation. Yep. Um, that's my vision. Did you Have you had any mentors in the industry that have helped you? No. I mean, this is 100% the Lord. Yep. Um, he's brought this forth. I really felt like I went through a season of time where, again, all of it was connected to... Um, not having a job. So identity. I mean, the Lord is still working on my identity. Yeah. That was something he was doing when I was, couldn't find a job. Um, I remember going through four and five interviews and just sobbing when I didn't get a job because it's like, why am I not, I'm I'm not worthy, you know? Like, why, why can't I get this job? And then, when we were going through story form life and all this stuff, like everyone was getting mentors and you know, like, Oh, we need, you need to find someone to, to, to be over top of you. And I'm in, I'm in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just not enough men in the city. Yep. And so I was talking to people and, and I couldn't find anyone, you know, like, and I just felt heartbroken. Yeah. It's like, cause I, cause I internalized it. And I felt like, well, you're not good enough. Uh-huh. And the enemy was lying to me. And I really felt like the Lord just said, son, I, I want to disciple you. Yes. I want to teach you. And, and I honestly was like, do you? You know, like, you do? Uh-huh. The source wants to? Uh-huh. And he, I'm just walking, I'm trying to walk with him as he guides me through this whole thing. Um and, I, and I've liked it so far. Mm-hmm. You know, I've really enjoyed it. I wanted to attack, like the best case scenario for me, Stephen, was, hey, if I could find a job at P&G and I could work 70 hours a week and, you know, be chained to an employer. And if I could have, if I could find a man that I thought I respected, if I could just have him tell me exactly how to walk with the Lord. Yep. That was my, my plan. Job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and thank God he did something different. Yeah. In basketball terms, he put you on ISO. And he's <laughs> like, it's just me and you, and I'm, we're going to deal with you. I, um, I talk about discipleship a lot. Um, I have gray beards in my life that I look to, and I think people assume that um, I've, there's always been somebody I've discipled, and I've always been discipled. And the fact is, 
I don't know anybody that doesn't have this story. There have been decades of my life when I've been in an absolute desert going like, Lord, I would love two or three fathers that would care about me. And like you, I'm thinking, I have a pliable heart. I'll do whatever they say. And, and the Lord's like, yeah, I'm not giving that to you right now. You're like, oh, I know, but I know this is your plan. I know you like this structure. Yeah, I do like it. I use it from time to time. And also you can't have that right now. Yeah. And so guys should, I mean, I, I, I wish that, that guys could, I mean, I hope we're giving them a little window into your heart, which is, I mean, by pain, you, you, you have been ground into faithfulness. Like what I see in your life is there's this lean that your life has built into this lean into God's heart, which is there's no plan B. I don't, I, and I don't know what he's going to do. I, I don't know where he's headed, but I, I can't, I'm, I'm now ruined for, for, for the, a standard life because because this lean has been developed in me, which is I'm trusting in him and, and he's all I've got. So I love that. Um, now, I want to I, I want us to end your your t- tale of woe with your career. So we've insinuated that um, things are have hopped for you the um, business wise. So you said in your first year there were seven homes. Is that right? And you guys made good money that first year, okay? And then has the business grown since then? Yeah, we are. You you have to take this with a grain of salt because I'm a pessimist. <laughs> I am a I'm a like hey like it's going good, but when's the it could always go bad. Yeah, when's the rug gonna be ripped out from under me? Okay. Um, but I have been amazed at the Lord's goodness um, because, again, I, I never made more than $30,000 until I was 32. So this is shocking to me um, how much he has blessed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to, you know, bless others. You know, one one way of – like we talk a lot about discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm all in for discipling my kids. Yeah. Um, and probably the most efficient way that I see to disciple other people for me, what the Lord has told me is to have employees. And so that's exactly I right. Have one uh, Landon who works with me. He's 26, and you know he's a couple of years behind me. You know, and then I have another employee, Cole, who's 23, and. I'm discipling Landon. He's watching my life. Of course. Uh, I'm not plastering him with scriptures or, you know, like every day. Um, But I'm trying to say, hey, like following the Lord is a worthy cause. And if you want to put it to the test, you can watch my life, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're going to see how we handle difficulties or like he's he sees how much money is coming into the company he sees um what we do with it and and how we're doing things and i'm hoping that you know that he he sees the benefit in in following the lord yes you know and that we don't always do things that make 100 percent sense um 
and we're not going to do business the way that maybe some other people do too, just because like, Hey, the Lord's called us to do it this way. Are there like vendors and subs that you avoid because there's no integrity in their operations? It's hard to, it's a lot of the people, it's, it's a, you know, it's like a big corporation. It's hard to tell. Uh huh. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people are the P I worked with the same people now that I did when I started for the most part. Okay. Um, I'm a loyalist. Uh -huh. So sometimes it's hard for me to see what is wrong in other people because I've just, I'm like, Hey, I, I gotta stick with you. Gotcha. Um, we formed a relationship and I get burned. Gotcha. Sometimes. Well, back to that earlier point. I think that people radically undervalue the discipleship is almost not even strong enough of a word. The worldview creation that you get to engage in as a, as an employer. And I always think, okay, best case scenario, if I have a quote disciple is that we meet weekly. That's a best case scenario. And maybe we have 90 minutes or two hours a week if we're really, really on it. Okay, you spend uh, 40 hours a week with Landon. Yep. So he's seeing not only your character, he's seeing what you're like in your relationships. He sees how you manage money. He sees how you manage projects. He sees whether there's a heart of excellence and integrity in what you do. Where you shade corners here and there. Ah, screw them. Um, and there is massive worldview happening for anybody that's on your downline. I, I just got to, you, you said it well, but I just got to underline that thing that, that there's something humongous that happens when there are people on your downline or on your team as a, as a business leader. Um, okay. So can you, I don't want to make you spit out, um, you know, uh, exact numbers. You could tell us, could you tell us um, what the company's revenues are? Our company in profit probably brought in in between 750000 to 500000 somewhere around. There. Last year. Mm -hmm. And what were revenues? Like how much money total did we bring? Yeah. In? Maybe like $6 million. Awesome. Seven million, something like that. Awesome. And you're building how many houses right now this minute? Ten. That's amazing. How many houses will you build this year total? Uh, Projected. Well, because of because of the uh, big C little B, <laughs> we can't. We probably won't finish as many as we could. Um, I think our max is probably fifteen, but we won't hit that because of supply chain disruptions and what have you okay amazing well um from a stay-at-home dad who thought i have nothing more to contribute than trying to support my breadwinning wife um to the massive reversal that's happened in your home for for you to find these roles where uh, God's called us to build homes. Let's try that. And you find that, oh, I can really do this. Um, to McKinsey, you know, 
sacrificing to follow the Lord at home and raise kids to know God. Um, what a, what a journey, what a story as well. Uh, anyways, I, I thank you for sharing that with us. Um, if, if you could go back and talk to yourself in those days, is there anything else that you would say to guys who might be listening that are in that same spot? I mean, I, I think the biggest advice that I can give is just when you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, obey it. Mm-hmm. And I still have to say that to myself today. And, you know, I'm still questioning myself to this day. Like, okay, am I, am I actively still trying to obey? You know, like, what's he calling me to do? Um, but you're going to feel like you're stupid. Like you, like the biggest question that I always ask myself is like, is the Lord going to put me to shame? And I hope that like what I want people to get from our testimony is that it may not work out the way that you want to, but 100%, he won't shame you. Mm. He's, he's going to care for you. Like as a, a good father does. And the question that I keep that I hopefully continually ask him is like, Hey, here's all my chips. What are you going to do with me? Mm-hmm. And I keep expecting him or I mean, I, I'm not there right now, like necessarily, but you know, like the question in the back of my head is, is he going to, you know, pull the rug out from under me? Mm-hmm. And he continually says, no, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. That's not what I do. You know, he continually loves me as, you know, as the father. Yeah. And I'm shocked by, um, I think I've known him as Lord for a long time, but I'm really just starting to know him as father. That's awesome. You're reminding me of um, one of my favorite little memory verses. It's a quickie. It's John 2, 5. It's what Mary said to the servants when Jesus was getting ready to turn water into wine. She just said, do whatever he tells you. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever he tells you. You don't know where it's, you don't know where it's going to end up. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but... Just what you think he's telling you to do, just walk forward. And, and my advice would be always be collecting men around you who are walking in the same direction. You can compare notes with them. You know, I think he's telling me to walk this way. It, it, won't, it won't decrease the price that you have to pay, um, but you can get wisdom from folks around you. Well, we don't often do this. Um, Ross, but I I wonder if you'd be willing to pray for guys before we before we end today, just 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 to trust in their father. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for anyone that would listen. I ask that your testimony would um, impact their hearts and that you would show them that you are a father who can be trusted and that it is worth everything to live a life in obedience and service to you. And I'm just so grateful um, for the opportunity to talk about what you've done in my life. And I am just so eternally grateful for um, just for who you are. And I am so thankful that you are consistent. And I just ask that you would show and prove your consistency um, and your father fatherliness to um, those that are listening. We love you, Lord, and we're just so thankful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ross. You're a great dude and a great small forward. You play a three, four. Are you kidding me? You did. I did. I did.
Great point guard. All right. Thanks for your time, buddy.